Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this June the 14th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And normally we take a look at a book. We were looking at Proverbs, but we're going to skip that today because of what we were talking about last Friday. The Concordia Historical Institute Quarterly, which is number volume 96, number two, is all about the old Missouri Synod 1973 convention in New Orleans. This was a most important convention because the delegates decided that the teaching of the St. Louis Seminary faculty, the majority of them, was contrary to the word of God. And so this issue uh, talks a lot about that. The convention itself and what happened is written by Ken Shurb, We Are Taking a Stand. The doctrinal resolutions and statements are by Raymond Hartwig, who is was secretary of the Synod. And Remembering the Battle of New Orleans was an article by a Michael M. Strong. He was kind of a new pastor at the time, and he was elected to be the delegate to the convention from his particular circuit. Now, the Missouri Synod is made up of hundreds of circuits, and each one selects a pastor and a lay person. And the last article was written by myself, Tom Baker, Watershed at the Rivergate. But I want to start off in talking about how the Concordia Historical Institute is something you should be well aware of. They have a number of volumes which are very interesting from a historical point of view. One of them is called Seminex in print. Uh, Another one is called Rediscovering the Issues, which surrounded the 1974 Concordia Seminary walkout. Remember, most of the students and most of the professors walked out in protest. And of course, they thought they would be called right back in, but they weren't because of their false teaching and their lack of repentance. They became seminary in exile or seminex. And so it's very important that you read about the history so it's not repeated. Now, the one article I want to take a look at is by Michael M. Strong, who, as I said, was a junior in high school in 1961-62, but became a pastor and then became a delegate. And he has a number of things he wants to say. He said that as a first and second year seminarian, I had Dr. J.A.O. Preuss for two classes. Dr. J.A.O. Preuss, of course, became president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And he talks about how he was very much helpful with that. But he also talks about another situation a lot of us forget about, that prior 
to President Price becoming president of the LCMS denomination, there was another man named Dr. Oliver Harms, who was president. And this writer had a conversation with him when he had become a pastor. And Dr. Harms assured him that nothing was wrong. He just seemed to be telling everyone that what seemed to be false doctrine was our misunderstanding of the Bible. We misunderstood what they were saying. The Bible was all about the gospel. The details were unimportant. When small details like Jonah or creation or turning water into wine were presented as allegories or pious stories and their history was questioned, those who objected were accused of falling into the trap of Biblicism. Biblicism means you believe the Bible. You don't believe the gospel. And that was not correct at all. In fact, when he talked to Dr. Harms, he came to the conclusion that he really didn't know what was going on at the seminary. So it was a real battle in 1973 at the New Orleans Convention with a thousand people there as delegates. Now, he also mentions one unofficial document made available to delegates was Watershed at Rivergate, published by Reverend Thomas Baker. I assume who appreciated the documentation he provided and covered some of the cost. He had graduated from the St. Louis Seminary the same year I graduated, 1971. He was, as it were, a witness of the errors that were being taught. His booklet showed the seminary and its gospel reduction theology that the moderates were saying was faithful to our confession and the theology of our church body. I carried his book with me to the convention. And a lot of delegates appear to have done that because it was used in the convention in questioning the professors. Because the most important point, and that's what I want to talk about today, was the allowability factor. The allowability factor. What does that mean? Well, my good friend, Jim Veltz, who has been a seminary professor for years, we were talking theology and we asked each other, what professor would we remove first because of his false teaching? And in the article at Concordia Historical Institute Quarterly, I wrote the following. At first, we were hard-pressed to give a name. And then I believe it was Jim who came up with the answer, as explained in Watershed. He publicly stated the following at the 1971 LCMS Milwaukee Convention in an open hearing, 
supporting the right of President Price to conduct an inquiry at the seminary. He says it's not what the professors themselves individually believe. The problem is one of allowability, what they allow to be believed by the students. The matter of allowability is such that the students are being trained and sent out of the seminary with beliefs such as homosexuality is not wrong. And men like this, I would really not want my children to be instructed under. The fact-finding committee that was headed up by Paul Zimmerman and interviewed the faculty majority and the minority indicated that what was found in Watershed was also what they found. A second major point finding, President Preuss wrote, of the inquiry is that many of the professors at the seminary are permissive of doctrinal positions which are not in harmony with the Lutheran confessions. The transcripts show a surprising amount of permissiveness. Many of the men who in their personal faith agreed with the synod's doctrinal stance were unwilling to unequivocally condemn positions in conflict with the scriptures. In other words, let me explain that. I would have a professor who personally said he believed in Adam and Eve. But then when you really asked him, what about those professors who say that Adam and Eve came from two monkeys after millions of years of evolution? He would not disagree with that position. It may not be his personal position, but he would allow that to be taught at the seminary. That's where the problem became really important, called the allowability factor. In fact, I had written in the Spectrum magazine many times against what the faculty majority was teaching us. So one hour before my certification meeting with the faculty, who would decide which seminarians would become pastors, two of the professors said they would not certify me for ministry. So we sat down for an hour to talk about it. But the first 50 minutes were spent arguing with me to turn off my tape recorder. I had learned, boy, you take a tape recorder everywhere you go because things were said in faculty, classrooms, etc., that were not known to the laity out in the field. So I had also asked Dr. Robert Price to be in attendance as my advisor, who, of course, had become president of the Fort Wayne Seminary. Now, after the hour, these two profs didn't get anywhere, so I was certified for ministry. But months later, one of these two professors 
was arrested in a South St. Louis park for homosexual activity, and the other professor taught that it was not necessary to believe that Jesus rose from the dead physically. Now, I had spoken with this professor, and his son had married a Jewish woman, and she did not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead physically. But she still was up in the air about whether he had been risen spiritually. And so that's an option that he taught was possible. It's really quite amazing how the children of these false prophets would move their fathers in a specific kind of direction, which was contrary to the Holy Bible. Now, after the convention, the Seminex professors and students had walked away, and the new president was Dr. Martin Charlemagne, a member of my congregation and a tremendous professor. He would not allow the professors or students to return unless they repented. So there were a number of new students at the seminary, and they thought it would be a good idea to invite Dr. Teachin to speak to them. But only students were invited to attend. The new professors were not permitted. But at that time, I was a graduate student. In fact, I took about 40 courses in the graduate level after I left the seminary. So I decided to attend this meeting where Dr. Teaching would be there. Remember, Dr. Teaching became the new president of the St. Louis Seminary, and he was loading the seminary with professors that were contrary to the word of God. So my one purpose I write in attending was to demonstrate to the students what kind of person Dr. Teachin was. There were over 50 people in attendance and I had made arrangements for one of the women who knew shorthand to take notes. Dr. Teachin entered the room smiling and happy to be there until he saw me. What are you doing here? He asked. I replied, it depends on what you are going to say. He then said he would not remain in the room because he considered me to be a person who had helped to destroy the seminary. This booklet, Watershed at the Rivergate, over 120 pages long, had many details about what the false teaching was being taught at the seminary, which the professors were trying to say was a lie. But by the way, even though the book went out, went to all the delegates, it never was criticized in any of the moderate papers. And the reason for that is every time I wrote down a fact, 
I had a safe deposit box where I had the original copies of the fact. Uh, for, for example, Dr. Cheechin had written that he had no phone calls with the liberals in Chicago who were trying to change the synod and seminary. But I had visited pastors, professors, laymen, and others to see what they knew about the teaching at the St. Louis Seminary. And at one of those locations, I found the original telephone bills that noted phone calls from Dr. Teachin to the liberals in Chicago. And I, I sent that original telephone bill to Dr. Zimmerman, who was head of the fact-finding committee. In fact, I had sent him another note because there was supposed to be a worship service with Font Bon. That was the Roman Catholic college that was right beside Concordia Seminary, about a block away. Dr. Chichen accused the fact-finding committee of saying that it had occurred when he said it did not occur because there was a rainstorm. Well, I guess he forgot. I was still on the seminary campus at the time. Yes, and I was carrying around my tape recorder. I just so happened to be in attendance when they moved the worship service inside one of the buildings at the seminary. I not only had the voice of Dr. Teachin on my tape recording, but students also worshiping with the Roman Catholics. And I sent that also to Dr. Zimmerman. Now, getting back to Dr. Teachin and the meeting with the 50 students, the angrier he got with me, even the student leaders began to ask me to leave. The angrier he became. So after a time, I said to the group, that appears that God has worked out the purpose of my attendance, and therefore there was no further need to remain, and I left. Now later, I received an apology from the student leaders as to what had happened to me. Now I dedicated Watershed to the five confessional professors who remained on campus. One of them had become president of the seminary, that was Ralph A. Bowman, and later seminary of the Synod. Also, Richard H. Klan, Robert Preuss, Martin Charlemagne, and Lawrence Wunderlich. I still possess the two safe deposit containers with all the facts that support what has been written in Watershed at the Rivergate. We are now in its third printing. By the way, the publication I did not copyright. What does that mean? It means that anyone is authored or authorized and encouraged to produce it in whole or in part. 
Why is that important? That is important so that people recognize that even in a blessed denomination, such as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, false doctrine can creep in, which reminds us that that is happening also today with certain false teachings that say the important things in the church are not the preaching of the forgiveness of sins, but instead social issues like the eradication of racism or not to be talking against abortion because women have a right to do that or other such things that are going on in the world today. We in the church are faced with many people who no longer look to God's word as the way not only of salvation, but also of morality. And that God's word was not being taught properly. When I left Concordia Senior College, which was the college in preparation for going to the seminary, I could have gone to Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne or Concordia Seminary St. Louis. So I made some inquiry and found out that the seminary in St. Louis was where liberal profs were. Now, my personality is such that I love a fight, especially when I become the winner. And when you use the Bible against moderate theologians, you always are the winner. This idea that Jesus did not rise physically from the dead. In fact, there are some people who believe that you can prove Christianity. And when they are asked this, what if we find a cross that was a cross that Jesus was on and his bones are in the grave? This professor said, well, then I would no longer be a Christian because Jesus did not rise from the dead. Now, that's ridiculous because, first of all, a lot of people were named Jesus in that day. Remember, it's just the name Joshua. And so it wasn't unusual to have people named Joshua. And how would you know it was? It were the bones of Jesus. And even more importantly, the devil has the ability to trick people into making wrong decisions. And so if somebody told me that we found the bones of Jesus, I would just say, well, that's a trick of the devil. It's the same kind of trick he did to Adam and Eve. No, 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 no. You can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the reason God doesn't want you to is because you'll become like God. Well, that really infatuated them. 
So they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and immediately they knew they sinned and spiritually died because they hid themselves or attempted to hide themselves from God. This is why it is very important for you to continue to listen to radio station KFUO. It has been on for almost 100 years, and you will hear about our goal to continue another 100 years unless the last day comes in order to help people be aware of the teachings that are going on in the church and particularly to help parents understand what students and children are being taught in the public schools. There are occasions right now where the private schools are needing to expand their place because they are running out of room where people want to hear the word of God rather than what's being taught in public schools in support of homosexuality, abortion, transgenderism, and other such nonsense from God's point of view. This is why it is so important that people stay in the Bible. This is why you bring your children to church and to Sunday school and to vacation Bible school, and if possible, bring them to the parochial school. And every church that has a parochial school, and there are many Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod churches that do, should make an effort to touch the lives of the non-Lutheran students and their parents to tell them about the greatest news that has ever been heard, that your sins have been forgiven and there is no work you can do to get you to heaven and there is no sin you do that gets you to hell because the difference between heaven and hell is the difference between faith in Jesus Christ and unbelief. What is so amazing in Christianity that God saves you when you were sinners and continue to be. That is a gracious God we have, and you need to hear more about it in listening to KFUO. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and tomorrow with Wes Reimnitz, we'll talk on another subject dealing with law and gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.